On this episode of the Fifth Estate Podcast, the draconian uh, pandemic management bill proposed by the Andrews regime, finally uh, the amendments pass the upper house, then it passes the lower house yesterday, uh, and I think it's back again to the upper house today. Uh, what else am I going to talk Giving an update on the um, medic child um, assault case. Um, what else is there? Um, gaslighting by the Australian Labor Party and more. So without further ado, let's get on with the show. My name's Cameron Blewett and welcome to this 14th episode of the Fifth Estate Podcast um, for, what is it, today, 2nd of Feb- uh, December, February, getting behind or ahead of myself here, uh, 2021. Now, uh, as I said at the intro, the draconian, uh, what would you say, um, Pandemic management laws, uh, management bill, amendment to the Public Health and Wellbeing Act finally passed. Uh, the amendments passed the upper house through a marathon, 25-hour sitting. Uh, yes, uh, started Tuesday and finished uh, yesterday. Now, a couple of thoughts on that. Um, you know, the, the leader of the opposition in the, ha- in the upper house did propose at midnight that uh, the, the parliament be adjourned until the next day. In typical corrupt fashion or nature, dictatorial nature, the uh, the government and with the support of the four bought and possibly paid for crossbenchers um, brought that motion to a stop. They defeated that motion. Now, let's make it clear. <laughs> the, the crossbenchers there shouldn't be to support the government at every whim, which is what Andy Medic has been doing and Fiona Patton and uh, Dr. Ratnam from the Watermelons have been doing. Uh, if you have a look, I think, what is it, 80% of the time uh, Medic voted in favour, uh, voted in support of the Andrews regime. Uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm really starting to lose um, civility towards these people. Um, you know, it's it's... Let's just say, it's, you know, okay, let, okay, targeting Andy Medic, for example, all right, he's a proud unionist and actually so are probably most of the people in the Labor Party, obviously, because you need to be a member of a union or remain a member of the union to be a current member of or some bullshit like that. So it's, um, you know, it keeps the money circulating round and round in circles. Uh, but anyway, uh, I think he would be the first one to have a massive conniption if, uh, an employee turned around and said to someone, no, you've got to work 25 hours straight. He would go bonkers. And yet all of a sudden here he is supporting the government to say, hey, yep, let's do it. Uh, you know, it's no denying it was important legislation that needed to be uh, needed to be done, uh, except it's the thing is that, you know, if, if the government had have paid no, if the government had have respected the, de- uh, you know, let, let's call it a democratic process within the parliament uh, and consulted with all of the opposition and crossbench through from March of this year through to now, there probably would have been something better. No, and instead what they've done is they've bypassed um, 
actually bypassed, I would say overridden and totally ignored the process of parliament where you bring bills in and all that and just negotiated with these three, um, you know, I'm going to call them corrupt because I believe that they are. They've sold out their constituents and uh, Fiona Patton and at this point in time, Fiona Patton and Ratnam are uh, my elected representative. Uh, They've sold us out uh, by, you know, getting small favours in return and I, you know, it's just one of those things is that, you know, I, I've ranted about this before. But I, I think that we need to take a broom to Spring Street. Actually, I, I wouldn't say a broom. I'd say a high-pressure water cleaner. Just clean all the crap out of it, get into the nooks and crannies and just start again. Now, obviously, we can only do that at election time and I'm not uh, saying that anyone should do a Guy Fawkes or anything like that because I believe that that would be playing into their hands. That is what they want to happen. Uh, and because, you know, it, it allows the ruling class to bring in the more draconian measures that they're just wanting to bring in, uh, and then, you know, who, who knows from there. So, but this is the thing. Uh, as I've said all along, uh, you know, I think that we need to stop voting for political parties. Uh, we need to start voting for independence. Now, yes, I know there's Liberal, liberal Democrats and they've stuck up for, uh, let's say, for Victorians and opposed this bill uh, and all the draconian measures and everything like that. Though, as I said before, I'm still not sure if they will allow uh, members. You know, let's say that let's say they get four members in the, in the upper house or lower house or whatever house. I don't think that they would allow a conscience vote for each member where they have to vote along party lines. Now, uh, this is the thing. Uh, Adam Somirek was in. Uh, what was it? Uh, 7.30, I think, on ABC, and he was they, he sat down and did an interview with him and he said this interesting thing here. But if you were a minister with the Labor government, you would be voting for this bill, right? You would have to. Well, yeah, and that's, that's the people say, well, why are you turning up the votes? Um, is this revenge? I'm not bound to vote with them, so why would I? So, And that's the thing, is that here he is saying that, you know, he's bound because he's a Labor Party politician. He was. He was bound to vote for them. And you know, this is the thing. Why? Come on, we need to wake up and realise that if you vote for the duopoly, which is you know the Labor Party or the Liberal Party, Liberal National Party, you're not voting for your elected representative. You're voting for the party. So we need to turn around and realise that and vote for independence. Push independence in there. Get independence in into the house, have a house full of independence. Then that way, as I've said previously, we can get ministers who consult with whoever the person is that is going to be designated as a premier, ministers from outside of parliament. So it's not just jobs for the, jobs for the boys or jobs for the girls or jobs for the faithful or whatever you want to call it, is that we get people with genuine expertise in that area to be a minister. I, you know, it, it's, yeah. Uh, won't... Yeah, I won't rant about that one anymore. But uh, you know, it's the thing we need to we need to become more politically aware, not just politically active, politically aware and politically educated about what's going on. And the first thing that we need to do is get rid of political parties. Um, so, talking about the bill, uh, here's something from uh, Rod Barton, who was the sellout, the fourth sellout, and his thoughts on it. This bill is all about um, unfettered power. We're withdrawing civil liberties. No, correction, that one's not. That one is uh, Somurek. 
Uh, let's try this one. This is a far better bill than what we had, and we have curbed the powers of this government. Now, let me just say, um, obviously, you know, I control my own um, mixing station or whatever it is, so I'm the only producer here, so all the buttons I push, any mistakes, that's my fault. Um, Going back to that clip from Rod Barton, uh, no, it's not. I mean, he says it right. Let's listen to it again of, of what he says. This is a far better bill than what we had and we have curbed the powers of this government. Okay, first part, yes, it is far better than what it was. Okay, now remember that the three corrupt crossbenchers and the um, dictatorial government have said it was a perfect bill, which is why they wanted it rushed through. There's six amendments that have been put forward or in addition to whatever the other amendments. Now, they do not, he, these amendments have not curbed the power of the regime. They've made it harder. All they've done is assured that whatever government of the day comes in can rule unfettered uh, because, I, you know, I, I, I can't, I, I refuse to believe that Rod Barton has been in parliament for a couple of years now and he doesn't understand how parliament works. So for him to turn around and say that a joint sitting of both houses with an absolute majority of both houses or an absolute majority of combined, I'm, I'm not sure what the, the, the finer terminology is, is going to curb the power because that's the only only way that these directives can be overturned if there is a recommendation from the pandemic, um, in, let's, let's call it the management committee. So, you know, is he that freaking incompetent that he doesn't understand that the government holds the majority in the lower house and, you know, apart from one or two, but, you know, Medic, Patton and Ratnam will always get in bed with the government anyway. So, therefore, they hold the majority in the upper house as well. So, why the hell would he decide that? I mean, what, like, really, does he not know how Parliament works after all this time sitting in Parliament? Uh, you know, he, like, he's, he's freaking deluded. Um, either that or he's just been bought out and he's just been told a whole lot of bullshit and actually hasn't spent time to consider the worst-case scenarios. And and this is what we need to do, is that when we're dealing with uh, bills that come through or bills that are proposed in Parliament, think of the worst-case scenario. Okay, yes, we may have a benevolent overlords now that won't use this power. Oh, they just want it just in case. Well, you know, they're the benevolent overlords now. The next time, uh, you know, what's going to happen when they lose uh, power? Or let's say the, uh, you know, current Premier, something happens, like he trips down the stairs again, so he's off. And then there's the acting Premier comes in. He'll have those powers. And let's say he's not as benevolent as our um, Stairman Andrews is. So, you know, what? how how bad are, are those powers going to be? Or even... That the opposition get in and say, you know what, bugger you, you've used those powers. Let's just tweak the tweak it up a little bit. Let's just you know give it a couple more not ratchets on the notch, not ratchets on the notch, and uh, see where we go from there. So, you know, this is the thing. As of, there is no need for the draconian powers for the current endemic situation because it's not a pandemic anymore. I mean, think about it. What is it? Um, okay. I'll get to the stats, but, you know, you have a look at the, the stats. I think there's, what, 11,000 cases in the active cases in the community. 
is that endemic now? I think it has to be. It, it has to come to a point where it isn't. You turn around and say, "Yep, it's endemic. It's been here for two years." Do pandemics last that long? I don't know. Um, so you know, there's no need for it. I think that the whole public health and wellbeing act should be ripped up. That Parliament should be there to respond to matters, not to have something on the books to be used in the future. And this whole state of disaster is just absolute bullshit. That needs to be ripped up too. And and what I'd like to see is that the whole um, Charter of Rights be non-negotiable and inserted into the Victorian Constitution. So therefore it's a referendum that allows them to be overwritten or overruled or ignored. Um, unfortunately, that won't happen with this current regime. Uh, I'm not sure if the next regime will do it, but, you know, that's not to say that, you know, if you start doing the the active work now that uh, it will, you know, it, it will get through in, you know, a couple of years, a decade or whatever. Uh, so... I uh, just wanted to actually, before I finish talking about that one, just wanted to play an interesting clip by Mr. Medic, who was uh, going on about his his thoughts on the opposition's um, uh, behaviour and what they've done throughout this process yesterday. The opposition were just opposing for opposition's sake. Now, as I said at the start, I'm I'm losing civility for these people. Um, Andy Medic. Uh, you know, a couple of episodes ago I said that I did want to try and get him on as a guest on the podcast. Um, I don't believe that that will ever happen because I think he's too gutless to turn up here, even though I guarantee you I would treat him with more respect than he deserves and he's entitled to. Uh, I would not, you know, abuse him or anything like that. This would be a civil conversation, but I can guarantee, you know, I'd, I'd be willing to bet anything that he won't appear on a, uh, as a guest on this show. So uh, that being said, I don't think that I have to, um, you know, be nice about my thoughts and comments on him. Um, uh, you know, I'll, I, I'm, not, you know, about being respectful. Well, you know, he's he's a wannabe ruling class, uh, and I, the the level of incompetence of that person, you know, I, I I'd be. I'm willing to concede that, yes, he is a freaking idiot. Um, he has no idea what he's doing and he's just um, being guided by a corrupt regime. Um, so, you know, he, he'd be guided by the Labor Party on what to do and all that sort of stuff because he thinks, um, you know, Labor Party good, union good, Liberal Party bad, opposition bad, um, people protesting, neo-Nazis, people talking about it, nah, they're fascists and, and whatever else. Um, so, you know, that's how uh, black and white his thinking is. So, but let, you know, let's just make it clear that uh, as far as I'm concerned, Andy Medic is an evil person. Uh, he needs to be shown the contempt that he's shown for the rest of the people of Victoria uh, for that. And, you know, going on with that, it's a nice segue there into the... Uh, What's continuing with the matter with the assault on his child? Uh, so there was a thing that came out in the paper yesterday uh, that police, Victoria Police are still looking for the person who is alleged to have assaulted his child at the, uh, uh, at the incident that happened on November 18. Uh, so this, once again, according to the Daily Mail, 
Police are on the hunt for a hooded man accused of attacking the daughter of politician Andy Medic, who is a vocal supporter of Dan Andrews' pandemic laws. Uh, so, you know, they've released CCTV footage of this person and everything like that. Now, regardless of, of – now, make it clear, okay, offensive violence, so that is where someone initiates violence. I'm not talking about defensive violence. I'm talking about offensive violence is not acceptable. It has no place in our society. Uh, that being said, if someone commits an act of violence towards one person, then that person has, I think, the the – Let's, you know, I don't give a whoop to you about legal right and all that. So if they have the moral um, right or whatever you want to call it um, given by our creator to defend themselves. So if they use proportionate violence, then that is acceptable. What happened in this situation, I'm not sure. So I'm not going to make too much more comments about it. Though once Medic's child left the scene, then I don't agree with the person following and all that sort of stuff. Uh, though, who knows what's happened. But, you know, that being said, I'd like to know if um, Medic's child has been charged, first of all, for, for carrying graffiti items, second, for actually doing an act of graffiti and then for instigating the violence because they threw the can at this person. So, it, you know, it's the thing. That needs to let's let's make that clear. Those needs to be happen. And if if they're not those charges aren't laid, then this person that they're hunting for is a political prisoner because this is a political thing. Medics using his poor hunt done by victimhood, alleged victimhood, which he's making it, as justification for, for making this person a political prisoner. Now he goes on to say that uh what is it? He went on on he did say something to, um, I think there was a Herald Sun, where he says, regardless of whether she was recognised or it was pure coincidence, it's clear this heated and toxic political climate has played a part in the attack, Mr Medic said. Many of us warned it would escalate to this. Well, you know, let's make it clear. You're fucking responsible for this. If you hadn't have supported the Andrews regime all those times to bring about this bullshit state of emergency we wouldn't be in the situation that we're in now. And same with the, the watermelons yesterday getting up and down, upset about uh, a, a thing about, quote-unquote, right-wing extremism. This is the environment that you created. So you've created this environment so you can't turn back and pretend that you're the victim because of something that you've created. You know, it's, it's like going up and, and, you know, taunting someone just keep taunting them, taunting and taunting them at a pub, nightclub or on the street or whatever and then claiming victimhood, being saying, oh, my God, I'm a victim, when they turn around and whack you in the face. You know, it, it's the thing is that, you know, he, these people, the ruling class will not accept responsibility for what they've done and this is what people need to understand. The ruling class think that they're immune from everything and unfortunately... Uh, Medic has politicised his family, so they all think that they're the same way as well. They're entitled to the same uh, level of immunity that everyone else is. Um, so, yeah, you know, it is, you know, I the level of contempt for these people is just growing. Now, speaking of levels of contempt, uh, here's a little clip from Supreme Leader Andrews. Some of the ugly scenes we've seen outside... That is no fault of the government. We're open and we're safe, not because everyone went to a protest, but because everyone went to a vax hub. 
Now, let make this clear again. The quote-unquote ugly scenes that were seen out in front of Parliament are 100% the fault of the government because the government passed the laws that they've used to suppress people's rights and to oppress people and to turn around and to create this two-class society. So once again, this is the ruling class not accepting responsibility for what they've done. And to also make it clear, it's it's the thing. Yes, people did go to a jab centre to to undergo to participate in a series of um, therapeutics, but it's the thing they've been forced to. They've been told they had to. They didn't go free, you know. But they exercised free will, did they? They were financially or socially coerced into going there. And, you know, once again, the ruling class think that they're immune from everything and it's, you know, it, it's something that, you know, we do need to, um, you know, start calling out. And we, we, we can't allow these people to gaslight and to dog whistle and whatever other bullshit that they spin to make themselves... Um, what is it, uh, immune or immune or um, unable to be criticised. Now, speaking of that, my local member is Andrew Giles uh, for the uh, federal seat of, um, I can't remember what seat it is. Uh, anyway, he's a federal member and Scullin, that's it. Federal member for Scullin. So yesterday he put a tweet out at, what time was it? 3.30, 20 past three, saying, Dangerous serial pest. Craig Kelly is misusing the procedures of of the House to spread his anti-vax disinformation. He is a disgrace. And he is only here due to Mr Morrison. His motion is seconded by LNP member George Christensen. Will he be called in like the member for Bass? Now, let's make it clear. This is dog whistling from Andrew Giles, okay? You know, it, it's the thing. I'll get back onto more dog whistling that Giles has done, but this is starting to become a pattern through the Labor Party. So they'll they'll do this dog whistle and then all the faithful will jump up and down because they've heard it. Oh, my God, this is it. They've heard, the, you know, the dog whistle, anti-vax, disinformation. <sighs> so they all jump to attention. Now, let's have a look at actually what this motion was that uh, Craig Kelly moved. So at 3.20, actually he's he's done that even before he, he the it went through. Anyway, um, so suspension of uh, standing orders moved. Now, Mr C. Kelly moved that so much of the standing orders be suspended as would prevent the member for Hughes from moving the following... Uh, motion immediately that the house one notes a in a free democratic nation any experimental medication in medical intervention which has zero long-term safety data should only be administered with a free and informed consent of the undergoing the medical intervention b no australian should ever be placed in a situation where they are coerced into undertaking any medical intervention let alone an experimental provisionally approved medical intervention which has zero long-term safety data with the threat of being sacked from their job, denied the freedom to work in their career of choice and a career that they have trained for. C, any policy by a government or the private sector which mandates Australians to be injected with an experimental genetic agent violates basic human rights. D, 
Thousands of Australians, including nurses, police officers, airline pilots, teachers, truck drivers, disability workers, charity workers, office staff, etc., have already been thrown out of their jobs and denied the freedom to pursue their career of choice for not submitting to be injected with an experimental provisionally approved substance that has no long-term safety data due to compulsory mandates for medical intervention with the COVID vaccines. E. Compulsory mandates requiring Australians to be injected with any of the COVID injections and policies of segregation, discrimination and medical apartheid are not based upon the science or the evidence. Such mandates are based on the marketing literature of the vaccine sellers, superstition and mindless fear-mongering. F. The most recent published data from the UK security agent titled COVID Vaccine Surveillance Report Week 46 records that those injected twice aged between 60 and 79 years of age have a greater chance of having COVID than those not injected. And for those in age groups between 40 and 69 years of age, the data records those injected twice have more than double the rate of COVID infections compared with to those not injected at all. G, the title of a recent published study by researchers from the University of California is self-explanatory. Vaccinated and unvaccinated individuals have similar viral loads. H, the esteemed virologist Ger van den Bosch, apologies if I pronounced it wrong, Uh, was warned that such mandates will result in a catastrophe and have stated, no healthy individual should be considered more than infectious threat than a... I'll read that again. No healthy individual should be considered more of an infectious threat than another. There is no scientific, scientific rationale for any individual, whether vaccinated or not, to discriminate it against contacts... Uh, to be discriminated against contacts with any healthy vaccinated or unvaccinated person, and I, that recent detections of the Omicron vaccine, uh, Omicron COVID variant in Australia have all been among people with a vaccine passport, demonstrating that vaccine passports are worse than useless. Two, notes that the Federal Government of Australia has multiple constitutional powers to ban COVID injection mandates and to ensure that workers currently sacked from their jobs under vaccine mandates can return to work and recommence their careers before Christmas. Three, only hours ago in the USA... A federal judge issued pre- preliminary injunction against the US President's vaccine mandate for healthcare workers. With the decision, no healthcare worker in all 50 states of the USA can be dismissed. Oh. Okay, with the decision, no healthcare worker in all 50 states of the USA can be dismissed from their job or not submitting to mandatory injection with a COVID genetic vaccine. Uh, with the judge noting, if human nature and history teach us anything, it is that civil liberties face grave risk when governments proclaim indefinite states of emergency. And four, calls on the government to immediately bring in the No Domestic COVID Vaccine Passport Bill 2021, introduced to this parliament in July by the member for views for debate and determination before this parliament rises for the Christmas New Year break. Debate ensured. Now, this is interesting. So where is the um, anti-vax uh, misinformation from that part? Now, as I've said um, my thoughts are, I think the only bit we could probably question about maybe being disinformation is the second bit that notes that the federal government of Australia has multiple constitutional powers to ban COVID injection mandates and to ensure workers sacked from the jobs under vaccine mandates can return to work and recommence their careers before Christmas. That's, you know, that's a bit of a challenge, that one. Um Unless there's a um, – actually, no, there would be because it would be the um, United Nations Declaration on Human Rights or whatever they want to call it, which bans um, 
coercion into experimental medical procedures. So maybe there is. Maybe they, they could use the external affairs one for that one um, to ban the mandates for the provisionally registered uh, jabs. The other part, ensuring workers sacked, um, there is something that came out in a letter from Rod Cullerton. Rod Cullerton? Cullen. Uh, apologies for getting his name wrong. I will sort that out in for the next episode because I do want to read that letter a bit more. Um, unlike RDA's template letter, which is absolutely laughable, this one does mention old cases where it states that the employment relationship between an, an employer, like a constitutional corporation, uh, and um, or essentially anyone covered by the Fair Work Act, uh, is that relationship is governed by the Commonwealth and state legislation has no impact on that relationship. Uh, I'll... Now, I, I do plan on reading that letter out on the next episode or, or the episode after, but that one actually goes to case law and says that the the Commonwealth is the only one that can do it uh, for that, you know, for, for the direct employment relationship and that therefore the state has no ability to turn around and say, well, you can't turn up to work if you have this, um, you know, f- with regards to the directions. Now, um It'll be interesting to see uh, if that gets tested. Um, obviously, if it is a high court decision or a Supreme Court decision, VCAT's not going to oppose it because they've set the precedent for the lower courts. Um, you know, it's uh, something that could only be opposed or, or new precedent set from a higher court. So, as I said, I will um, look into that one for more for the um, next episode. Uh, so... Yeah, so that's, you know, that's the only bit that could potentially be misleading. Uh, everything else, as I've said, you know, it's up on the TGA website that these series of therapeutics, and we can't call them vaccines, um, these, you know, series of therapeutics that are supposed to stop us, um, you know, save us from the Wu flu and everything like that, they've given provisional approval, uh, which means, and as part as part of that provisional approval, they're part of the Black Triangle Scheme. Now, the Black Triangle Scheme, for those who came in late, is that the whilst a medicine has provisional approval, they don't have a full safety picture. And how can they have a full safety picture when these series of therapeutics were only created, uh, you know, 12 months ago, or less than 12 months ago? And with the new moronic variant coming out, um, who's Moderna has turned around and said it'll take 100 days and then they'll be able to have a booster that will be suitable for that one. How much of a safety picture can you have on something that is less than 100 days old? I mean, you know, really. So, you know, we are being experimented on. Uh, If something is created in less than 100 days, that is going to be rolled out and mandated worldwide, You, you know, nationwide, statewide, whatever. You know, you'd want more than a hundred days safety picture of it because they've done something, they've tweaked it, they've done something different, which could change the interactions with everything. So, but anyway, um, yeah. So, but it, it's the thing; it's it's uh, frustrating and depressing that uh, the uh, everyone's uh, f- you know being sucked into uh, this, the, the you know this what is it, the agenda or the bullshit um, that's going on and everything like that. And, you know, sadly it's, it's even the medical fraternity that are doing, or pro- predominantly the medical fraternity, and here's a GP 
that went on TV and, and said something that's very, very concerning. I think get a life. Vaccines are safe. Without the vaccines, the hospitals will be overflowing. Now, you know, obviously this is um, an audio podcast, so you can't see the, the footage, but he's standing outside wearing a face diaper telling people to get a life. Um, no, mate, you need to get a fucking life. Um, you're standing outside talking into a camera, which is uh, an excused um, thing for not wearing the face diaper. So you can take, take the face diaper off because the Wu flu won't get you if you have the face diaper off while you're reporting or talking to a camera or doing something like that. So the Wu flu will only get you if you're not. So as soon as you stop talking to the camera, you need to put your face diaper on. But while you're talking to the camera, you can take the face diaper off. So all this is just theatrics. And, you know, define safe. And that's what, you know, is very, very misleading um, from these people is that, hey, it's safe. Well, is it safe for the, the, you know, let's say for argument's sake, the 200 people that have got... Um, myocarditis or as Ray Hadley said yesterday 400 people have died because of the series of therapeutics well was it safe for them no it wasn't well would the Wu flu have been safe for them well that we can't tell because we don't know and it won't release uh, what the underlying conditions were and, and everything like that though I'm more likely to believe that if you're a reasonably healthy individual you probably do stand more risk of um uh, having a um, reaction to the, uh, what do they call it, the Fauci ouchie in the US. Um, so, man, it just, yeah, these things, yeah, simple things. Um, so, yeah, you know, you, you stand more of a risk of, of having an adverse reaction to that than you potentially would for the Wu flu. And it's something that, you know, we do need to uh, be aware of. We need to actually have a genuine and open and honest discussion about that. Um, but we're not, uh, we're, we're just being told things. There's dog whistling come up. Um, Andrew Giles also did more dog, dog whistling when he was talking about uh, diversity in his, uh, in Parliament. Now, there was, uh, where was it? Okay, here we go. Um, Sally Situ. Um, Labor for Reid, she's standing as a candidate. Now, supposedly people are contacting her uh, saying that she shouldn't stand for Reid for the Labor Party because of her Chinese heritage um, and all that sort of stuff. So, But then Andrew Giles does more dog whistling, says, these messages are are appalling. We need more diversity in public office and to reject the absurd and divisive notion that some Australians are somehow less entitled than others to represent the communities. I'm so proud that Sally Situ, apologies if I pronounced her name wrong, is standing for Australian Labor Party in Reid. Now, let's have a look at Fowler. Now, what happened with Fowler? Um, Christina Kennelly, Kennelly um, is going to be parachuted into there because I think she's being groomed to take over from Albanese when he loses the next election um, for that. So, But, you know, I think there's um, a bit of a... Uh, political or media um, battle going on between um, her and uh, Tanya Plibersek, um, which one's being groomed for the top job because, you know, we know 
Albanese is going to be the one who's going to snatch defeat out of the jaws of victory. Um, so, you know, it's the thing is that, you know, which one of those two is going to take over? Um, and that's the only reason that um, Christina Kennelly would be parachuted into a safe seat, booting out the um, nominated person who the incumbent is recommending takes over from him. And she happens to be of, of Asian, I think it's Chinese descent as well. So, you know, don't pull this diversity bullshit on us when you're doing the exact same thing. You're parachuting someone in, um, you know, because you want this person in a safe seat. Well, no, make her work for it. Stick her in a marginal seat or just leave her in the upper house. If she's, you know, if she's that committed to public life, it shouldn't matter where you are upper or lower house uh, for that. So unless you're grooming yourself or you're being groomed to take over the top job, which is the only reason that she'd be going to the lower house. Uh, so, yeah, anyway, um, digressing on that one. Uh, what else is there? Gaslighting for diversity... Um, I don't know. What else have I got there? What other clips have I got to play? Oh, here's one. Now, obviously, um, ABC did their whole big, uh, you know, they're, they're pushing the narrative that extremists are taking over the freedom, let's say, the, you know, the, the um, anti-jab protesters or anti-government protesters. They're pushing the narrative that it's being taken over by extremists and, and everything like that. Um, so, of course, they're going to wheel out any um, wannabe expert to to justify that position. And if I push the right button here, uh, here's a little bit of a clip talking about that. We're actually seeing a serious turn away from democratic debate and, and conversations to uh, a really quite insidious threat to democracy. Now, obviously, he's talking about the, the protesters, though you can actually spin that the other way. And the behaviour of the Andrews regime and the four corrupt crossbenchers are doing just that. Um, Fiona Patton has blocked me on Twitter, so I can't engage with my uh, elected representative. Uh, I was blocked on Twitter because I kept tagging her on uh, in posts to wake her up. Um, she hasn't responded to a letter I've sent or phone calls I've made to her office. Uh, her office doesn't actually take phone calls. It's all on, uh, all go straight to voicemail. Um, Rod Barton's office, who will be my, um, who is, you know, hopefully he'll be campaigning for my vote uh, come the next election due to the, the boundary redistribution, can't get through on his phone. Uh, emailed twice and got a um, out of office, like you know, one of those out of office replies um, saying that they're busy, blah blah. They'll take your consider comments and consideration and all that sort of crap. Um, Ratnam hasn't contacted me, hasn't responded. She blocks all her tweets, so um, it's only people she tags or follows that can comment on it. Uh, so you know, you how are you supposed to engage with your elected representative? when they're putting as many barriers in the way as they can to stop it. And there was that clip that was on um, Twitter yesterday by someone who actually went to Rod Barton's office. The office was undertended, so there was security there, and he said, wait outside. He said he was just going to do a peaceful protest. Three cop cars turned up. So, you know, what is it? 
how how are we supposed to engage with our elected representative when they're they're doing this shit? Um, and you know, and this is the other thing is that if this crowd was genuinely as violent and extremist as all these dog whistling politicians are, are trying to have us believe, no politician would be able to go out there yet. You know, we've had um, we've seen David Limbricks out there. Uh, Dr. Cummings has been out there a number of times. I think Quil- Tim Quilty's turned up once or twice, um, and there's that. So, you know, there is. I'm not going to say that it's not being infiltrated because this this is the thing. Any any organisation can go and recruit anywhere. Same as the the Labor Party will go and recruit. The union movement will go and recruit in the workplace. And everything like that, and you know, th- there's so many things that can be said about that. But it's a thing to turn around and say, "Oh, because they're recruiting, the movement's being overrun by them." Well, if they're recruiting, the question needs, to, as I've said yesterday, the question needs to be asked: Is their recruiting being successful? And if it's being successful, what has happened in society that has changed our opinions where this sort of stuff is, you know, is something that we're looking at? Um, you know, it's the thing, you know. These member-based organisations that actively recruit, um, no, actually, no, I won't go there um, because I'm probably likely to get into trouble. But you know, this is the thing. I think that we we do need to um, wake up and realise that what's going on. Um, our democracy was under threat years ago. Uh, I still don't genuinely believe we're a democracy. We're a constitutional monarchy. Uh, so we allegedly democratically vote representatives to represent us in Spring Street, Canberra, etc. Um, so whether that's a representative democracy, yeah, um, maybe. Uh, but if you can't engage with them, is that a representative democracy? I don't think so. So um, it gets back to the thing is that the behaviour of all these politicians is a um, prime example of the, the biggest threat to democracy, what the Andrews regime did with this bill is a threat to our democracy. They've bypassed everything of parliament um, to do that. Now, it's, you know, it, it's a thing. For anyone to say that the bill that passed was good, um, you know, I think that you're seriously drinking the Kool-Aid. Um, I, 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 I'm actually, I'm willing to say it's not even better than the current state of emergency because at least with the current state of emergency, there were limits. I think that the government should have to go back to parliament every month and say, listen, we need to extend it. Can we extend it? And make it a conscience vote for everyone. So get away the party politics bullshit. Just make it, you know, give them the first one. Hey, we'll give you um, a two-month, ex- you know, we'll allow you to do it. But then there also needs to be an exit plan as well at what what rates are infection rates, What you know, how many um, total cases or how many um, active cases do we need before this becomes endemic, not pandemic, and who makes that decision? I mean, the World Health Organisation does not know what's going on in Victoria. They wouldn't give a whoop to you what's going on in Victoria because they're more interested on the global scheme, what's going on globally. Um, so, but anyway... Um, hopefully if I've got the right clip, I thought I'd, um, might just leave you with this one. Um, some final words by Adam Somirek, um, on the bill and, uh, yeah, so I'll just leave it with him. So thanks for listening and I look forward to having you join me on the next one. Bye for now. This bill is all about, um, unfettered power. 
we're withdrawing civil liberties. What we need is to make sure that we've got the safeguards and checks and balances in place. We need to make sure that we've got accountability mechanisms, scrutiny mechanisms, oversight mechanisms, all bolstered up.